0: Welcome to the Dude Facts Podcast. We're so glad you're here. We're four guys that are united by a love for coffee, Jesus, and corny jokes. In the past, we all served in ministry together. In the present, we create podcasts to help you get through your week. And in the future, we aspire to be the granddad that teaches his grandkids to pull his finger. So if you love Java, Jesus, and dad jokes, you're gonna fit right in. So sit back, relax, Grab a cup of joe and enjoy this week's episode of the Dude Facts Podcast.
1: Hey, we're talking about Christians ministering to our military communities today. Here in the CLV, we live in a military community as we've already talked about. So In this part two, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into uh, not only what it means to live in a military community, but what it means as Christians, what we can do to minister to our military communities. I've lived in a military community for probably 85% of my life, uh, in the military now as a chaplain for the last 11 and a half years. We've got Ethan here today who is going to be, as we've already talked about soon, joining the ranks of the military. There are 1.4 million Americans serving in our military, 2.6 million family members. There's 331 million Americans, another 16.2 million veterans. So about 20 million veterans and active duty soldiers, family members all together, uh, which is a lot of people. And uh, it's a lot of people that are not only serving in our military or or living in these military communities, uh, they're living in a unique context and culture. So we could talk about, obviously there's some negatives that come with that. There's a lot of positives that come with that too, but I think it's worth examining how we can be the light of Christ to this community um, and uh, give, you know, a, a lot of love, not only just, you know, genuine appreciation to soldiers and what they do and their families, but, um, You know, we have, I think most of us have respect for the military, um, but showing them that respect, not only as Americans, but also as believers, as those who love them uh, with the love of Christ. You know, it's always nice when someone comes and says, thank you for your service. It's awkward at times. Uh, You can ask Stephanie, I don't like wearing my uniform out in public a lot of times just because I want to avoid those uh, times. And it's not that I don't like it, it's just it's always hard to know what to say. Um, But, um, you know, thinking about, you know, saying that, you know, me as somebody who is in the the military, if I saw somebody who had served, I would probably say the same thing. But it's not just doing that, like we're doing our part, like we're saying, thank you, we appreciate you, here's a discount here, or hey, we're gonna have you stand at a ball game and, and clap for you. But as Christ followers, how do we really love on this community? Um, Not just clap and uh, say thank you, but how do we go sort of that extra mile? Because the reality is, is that those who are in our ranks in the military, those families as well, those who have served and now are out veterans who are living with the aftermath of some of the things that they've experienced, Um, There's a lot of spiritual warfare there. And so I I know there's a lot of spiritual warfare everywhere we go, in our schools, in our nation, all that. But there's a lot in our military. And how can we as Christians um, really be strategic in that, but also be life promoters as Christians? I say life promoters because we talk a a lot about suicide intervention, prevention, and those things are important. But it's not just about trying to stop death. It's about promoting life. And I've got a shirt here. This is called "Stop Soldier Suicide." I love this organization. I help raise money for this organization. I do. Last month, I, I ran a hundred miles and just online threw it up, and and people donated, and I donated a few hundred dollars to this organization. I, I love what they do, but it's more than just trying to stop suicide. Obviously, we want to, but how do we promote life as Christians and promote the fullness of life that's found in Jesus Christ? Because that's something that we see in our military community. There are high suicide rates that come not only out of our military, but of our veterans. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But I think it's important for us first just to look at, you know, obviously there's a lot of scripture that talks about the military and um, talks about soldiers. And, and there are people in scripture that, you know, obviously were military leaders. We think of David, we think of Joshua, one of my favorite books, Joshua, uh, incredible but Jesus deals with a centurion and some versions will say, uh, an army or a military officer. And in Luke chapter seven, um, you know, Jesus encounters this, uh, military officer who had a servant who was sick to the point of death. And, uh, you know, obviously this, uh, officer th- thought very highly of his servant and, uh, wanted him to be healed. And. When this officer heard about Jesus, he sent uh, to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. He heard about Jesus. He wanted Jesus to come and heal his servant. So when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him and asked him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him. He loves our nation. Um, you know, similar language that we might use about people who serve our nation. And he is one of us who helped. He is one of the, the one who helped build our synagogue." And so Jesus went with them, and uh, when he was not far from the house, the centurion's friends saying to him, uh, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. So even though he's a military officer, he's humble and uh, recognized Jesus's um, lordship and, and presence here. And he said, Therefore, I, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. So he. He humbly recognizes who Jesus is, but at the same time, he wants Jesus. uh, He knows that Jesus is all powerful and wants Jesus to heal um, his servant. And he says, for I, too, am a man set under authority with soldiers unto me. So he recognizes Jesus is, is operating under God's authority. And I say to a soldier, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do, and he does this. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, he turned to the crowd that was following him, following him, and he said, I tell you, even not even in Israel have I found such faith. So Jesus was um, you know, bragging about this soldier's faith here, uh, just how incredible it was. This officer recognized Jesus' authority, had faith in his power, and Jesus loved on him, commended him on his faith, and took time to minister to his needs. And so in light of what we see Jesus doing, think about being his follower, Christ's followers. How can we as Christians be that light to our military communities and our veterans, knowing that our military works in a very unique context? They deal with life and death every day. Um, there's a lot of darkness in the military. And, and I don't I don't want to like scare Ethan off or anything, <laughs> um, because there's a lot of gr- there's a lot of great things about. The military community the brotherhood the um you know anytime you go through something difficult together the relationships that are formed it's incredible and um, honestly one thing and this is probably something that um you know i'm going to confess here before i joined the military uh, i wrongly assumed that there were a lot of people in the military who weren't smart like they weren't smart enough to get into college so they joined the military let me tell you, the military, they're some of the smartest people I've ever been around. And that's from the lowest ranking private to the most senior officer. The stuff that the military trains you on, these are some smart, sharp individuals. And if you're not, you're going to get weeded out very quick. And so um, it pushes that on you. And so it's, it's an intense environment, um, a competitive environment, can be an aggressive environment. Um, but with all that said... It's still people that want hope, that want love, that desire relationship and that need uh, comfort and, uh, you know, need the touch of a a savior, Jesus Christ. And so in light of that, um, how can Christians be a light to our military community and our veterans? What are some things maybe you've seen
0: um, that Christians have done well? Well, when you... When we, when we talk about being a light, you know, when you think of the beginning of John where he says, you know, um, the light calls Jesus, uh, that, that the light of men have, I'm missing it. But this light has become the light of men, speaking of Jesus. And then Jesus says, I, I am the light of the world. Then he looks at his followers as you are the light of the world. And then go let your light then shine. And so when I, when I think about that, I always think, one, okay, well, what is our light? I think it starts with it's a who it's Jesus in us, and so this is a church answer. But I think I think part of that is just letting Jesus shine through us, you know, letting Him be seen um, in our interaction with people in, in every way. And you know, anytime we see how Jesus responded, even in this story that that you wrote, it was always um, it was always led by compassion um, for people and and the hurt that they had, wanting to. Um, bring some sort of hope or healing into their life, and ultimately bring them to the kingdom. Um, but I think I think one, it, it would just begin by developing a compassion for those who serve in in our in our military, and especially those that are living uh, within our community. And I, that's one of the things I think we sense in Clarksville, and you kind of hit on it a little bit. Is that I think there are people here that. <laughs> Nice. That uh, There are people here. Is that your GI Joe? Does he have a cigar? I'd <laughs> <laughs> like to thank Grant for uh, keeping it, <laughs> keeping it chill here. And levity. That's right. Um, I, I think there are people, especially in our town that have been here for a long time that might even have some animosity against the military because of yes. what it brings into the town. Right. Um, the, you know, traffic for people who don't know how we do things around
2: here. Super fast cars. Yeah, loud. No, and stuff
0: like that. And <laughs> well, so,
3: not, yeah. what? No, well, I like, think uh, that's, that's, that's one of the biggest cliches, right? Like, the charger at 70, 17% oh. interest and whatever. But I, I, I get it. Because, uh, and I think this segues into the one reason, very practically, I think we can all be serving um, military people if we have an opportunity. It's one of the very two... Um, Very few uh, class systems in the U.S. What's fascinating is racism numbers. It depends on who you ask and what you read. But according to the implicit bias type studies, like racism is declining, but classism is rising. Um, And the, the shrinking middle class, you either have means or you don't have means. And the people with means look down on the people without means. So that's happening in our cultural or our culture at large. But in the military, like Jeff will know what this means right away you either have a blue sticker or a red sticker on your car. So I used to have uh, stickers.
1: They actually got rid of them.
3: Oh, did they get rid of stickers? Okay. Yeah. So, like, growing up, like, you, if your dad was an officer, your car had a blue sticker on it. If your dad was enlisted, your car had a red sticker on it. And the Marine Corps bases still use Marine sentries guarding the bases, and they would actually salute whoever was in the blue car uh, or the car with blue stickers to come in, not the red sticker. And so I have so much grace for, and I have a lot of understanding um, because just think about it, what they wear every day is called a uniform, uniformity. The only way you stand out is what you drive. I mean, if you're living in the barracks on the base, you're living in the same place as everyone else. You dress the same as everybody else. You might have the same job as everyone else. The one place you can express yourself is your car. And I think the one blessing that we have as civilians, one of the many, is that when I go home, I don't really think about my job at the church. Like I can go visit my job and I'm now here. And of course I have scripture here and I pray for people here and I'll leave here and meet people here, whatever. But like, I'm out. I'm not living in this culture that I cannot get away from. In the military, you sign a contract. You have to do things. Uh, And if you don't do those things, you can be court-martialed and imprisoned potentially. Uh, You dress like everyone else. You look like everyone else. You make the same money as everybody else. But within that system, you are what you do. And at the end of the day, even the most accomplished person with a red sticker on their car, an E9, or even the Sergeant Pager of the Marine Corps, right, salutes the O1, who could have just finished uh, college, um, you know, doing an ROTC program, getting a full ride, being the biggest party boy in the world, not having a clue what to do, but he's a blue sticker. So I think one of the things that practically Christians can do is provide access to your other spheres outside of the base, outside of that world where the individual can be an individual because Jesus has always cared about individuals. Um, I think that's really, especially the families as a kid, you own what your dad does on a military base, no matter what, like your dad's social security number is almost more important than yours who your dad works for, what unit, uh, what rank, what position. You know, We were super proud of my dad when he was on the presidential helicopter squadron as a crew chief, Ethan, that's what he did. Uh, He was one of the Marines that would salute the president in dress blues from Reagan through Clinton, super proud. And then we go from there to Hawaii where I'm hiding what my dad does because I don't wanna catch flack for what he does. So if you can provide that other sphere where they can like not be military, (laughs) get a break from that environment, and that's one of the biggest blessings. And you can see walls just come down. That yeah, was a I'm lot. Glad you,
1: you, you brought that up, them being an individual, um, because I, oh. I was going to talk a little bit about that. Because I, 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 there's a lot of truth in that. There, the, the military owns you to a certain degree that, especially on a, like a long deployment or. Is there like a little exercise, bit of truth in that? You, just you a little can, truth just in just it? Just a little oh. bit. <laughs> okay. you, you can almost uh, lose sight of who you are. And, um, I mean, I mean, not only that you're, you're called by your rank or your last name. Um, you know, for, for nine months, my first deployment, everybody's calling me, sir, or chaplain. And that's great and all, but there were times when I had to go back and be like, I'm, I'm Jeff, you know, at, mm-hmm. at, at the end of the day, I'm Jeff and that's who I am. And, uh, it was, it was so much so that I had my chaplain assistant who's enlisted call me by my first name. Mm-hmm. because um, I just got so tired of it. I needed somebody to call me by my name. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and, and and so I ordered her to. I was like, you're going to just call me Jeff. And it felt <laughs> weird for at first, but once she did, it, it was fine. Jeff, thanks uh, for saying that. But uh, yeah. Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I want you to call that. Yeah, Jeff. <laughs> but um, I, I will say this about the class system. So I, I grew up a military brat. My dad was in the Army for 23 years, and, and I saw it. My dad was enlisted. And they had officer clubs and NCO enlisted clubs. clubs. They had yeah. enlisted swimming pools and officer swimming pools. <laughs> wow. Yep. I was surprised when I when I joined um, as a chaplain in 2012. That has pretty much gone away quite a bit now. Obviously, really? they still. I mean, you'll still drive through the gate and uh, mm-hmm. you'll have soldiers. You know, like an army base, army uh, post that will salute officers. Um, As they come through, you know, there's still those courtesies that are shown, Um, you know, the highest ranking E9 will still salute the 01 (laughs) uh, butter bar that's just straight out of. Um, you know, ROTC or wherever they're I from. don't know what a
0: butter bar is, but <laughs> I can imagine
1: what it's referenced. The second lieutenant, okay,
3: and they have just someone like, that eats at Wendy's old bar. I, that's what I'm thinking like, just kind of salt. I thought you were
4: talking about somebody who like eats bars of butter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they probably do. I was like, in that case, I'm a butter, bar.
3: Okay. <laughs> you know,
1: they're like 22 years old, and that's about all they know how to do. <laughs> I eat this much.
2: Je- Jeff, could I ask are you were, did you go in as an officer or enlisted? I went in as an officer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: So but I I've had an experience in both worlds cuz I I grew up like Grant and my yeah. dad was enlisted and he's right. I mean I remember kids would talk about that on the playgrounds and mm-hmm. at school. Yeah. Um but, you know what rank is your dad? My, my it, wife has told me it the listed same thing. was enlisted on the house. And she grew up in the Yeah. Yeah yeah like yeah when you live on a military post not so much anymore, but it used to. Like your rank and everything was on the house. So your friends would come yeah. over and be like, "Oh, your dad's only an E six. My dad's an E seven. You suck." It's like not
4: only is you, not only is your your rank and like station posted for everyone to see, but pretty much like how much money you make. Yeah, is everyone essentially? To yeah. So
1: yeah, like- you can get online and find out how much anybody. Does. So yeah. You know how your government official.
0: Rank
2: it's like the yeah. conversation kids would have. Be like, "My dad can beat up your dad," yeah. or "My dad makes more money." It's- Something like that
0: well and that kind of yeah. what I was saying earlier um, about like compassion and I'm glad what Ryan or what Grant said right after that like I wasn't I, I hadn't thought about that like their cars just like that are a way they can show an expression
3: like of them yeah and
0: I, I think that's important for, for me to learn mm-hmm. and for all of us mm-hmm. to understand um, are some of those unique things uh, that the military carries and that we just don't understand. Uh, or we wow. don't know about and so trying to understand those things but just just looking at them whether you know these inside things or not you see someone who's clearly military say i don't i don't know what their life is like cuz i'm not like that and i wasn't raised that yeah. way
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know I, I have an uncle who um was was killed in vietnam and um I, i've never met him so like you know when i was born after vietnam but what uh, and then <laughs> i know and then my brother was Are you sure uh, about that my brother was in the National Guard Army Reserve Band. Oh, so okay.
2: yeah, um, yeah the but Guard. but I don't
0: understand. I don't understand military life. I'm living in a town yeah. where everybody talk, talks in um, code because everything's like FOP and, abbreviation. and DOD yeah. and SOP, SOP and COD, yeah. like Call of Duty. I don't know, and that's the only one I know. But, it's a good one. but I, I think for us just to assume, hey, there's things these individuals and families face that I don't get. And they're going yeah. through things that I don't understand. And, and so giving a benefit of a doubt and then showing some compassion because of that. Like, yeah. um, when it comes to their cars, get the coolest car out there. Just don't race it down 101st real loud. So when we're recording a podcast, it, I'm it, trying to say, <laughs> okay, and I don't need.
3: Uh, uh, Josh, it's the not head their head fault head you drive a Subaru. <laughs> That's true. That's, true. That's um, why they have to drive their chargers.
2: No, the day he bought that Subaru anyway. <laughs> <laughs> were
0: there.
4: I, I will I will say though, you know, from from a perspective of, of somebody who did not grow up in a military family. And you know, I've i moved here, I've lived I've lived in Clarksville in you know, a military town for over ten years. And so I've, I've got a lot of experience with it. My wife grew up in, in a military family. Her dad was pretty much in the army the entire time she was in elementary school, high school. Um, but I think that from from kind of an outsider's perspective, it's easy to go up to somebody in a uniform, in a uniform and say, thank you for your service. Mm-hmm. But I think that the a big way that we can go a step further as Christians is to... Look past, you know, kind of in the same train of thought that you guys have been talking about, look past their uniform and look at them as a person and try to connect with them on that level. Mm -hmm. And I think that will do miles for not only, you know, their self-esteem, but also just, you know, feeling connected to something other than just like the army, which is kind of everybody's the same, essentially, you know, even if you're different levels of it, everybody is
0: Very similar. They're human. Is that, so I you mentioned this a little bit about how you don't want people to think, you don't want people to maybe always kind (laughs) of recognize you in in uniform. And I've heard in the past, I don't remember the reason that was given for why, but that there are not just military, but even police and people who are first responders. Well, it might not, they don't necessarily like, people coming up and thanking them all the time. And I wonder, is it, does it get old? And is because it's, you're being identified all the time. Yeah. It's,
1: it's not so much. I mean, it, I appreciate it. And, and I had actually, uh, I was traveling with some air force airmen, uh, back in August when I went down to San Antonio, not seamen. uh, Nope. Uh, they were airmen. Okay. Just making sure. And, uh, they, uh, they had their uniforms on and uh, one of the flight attendants said, thank you for your service. And they quickly shot back. Thank you for your support. And I was like, Oh, what a, what a great line to, cause I, I'm always like, oh, thank you. Or
3: you're
1: welcome. I mean, yeah. you're welcome for my service. Yeah,
2: right. yeah. I mean, I'm not going to do
1: that.
3: That's right. Dude, <laughs> just respond. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's go back in the dude facts files. My pleasure.
0: Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> oh, did he? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> but Perfect. It's, it's one of those things work. that
1: <laughs> I'm glad people say it, but at the same, and I'm glad people are supportive and appreciative. But at the same time, it comes back to that individuality. I, I want to be known as Jeff. I'm not mm. just an Army dude. Uh, that that is just a part of my life. For some people, it is more. I mean, that they encompass the army or the military. And the reality is, is it's only a short part of your life. Um, you may carry it on after you're out, uh, regardless of how many years you serve, but it's only really a, short, a snapshot of your life. You know, 20, 25 years for most people, probably under 10 years. And so if you wrap all your identity into that, that's part of what we're going to get into. when We talk about suicide. Um, there is a reason for hopelessness to, 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 be there. But, you know, I, I'm the type of person that I, I don't want to wrap all my identity in that. I just want you to see me for me, but more than that. And, and I think we've been hitting on it when I came into the army, obviously I'm looking at it through a different lens and then I'm older, I'm a pastor minister. God has really called me into missions and I see the army as my mission field. And so I truly felt like a missionary and still do in the army. So God has called me to this context, to this culture. So similar to if God called you to a foreign country and maybe it's a third world country and you see how the people are living and you see their struggles and the unique things about that culture, you might go to them and say, oh, I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And they, they might be appreciative that you're that you feel sorrow for them. But in their minds, they're probably like, well, what are you going to do about it? You know, how, how are you going to help? Are you just going to keep saying, I'm sorry, or are you actually going to, to do something to, to help here? Why are you here? And to a sense, I think our military community is kind of like that too is there, there's some genuine needs there and it's great to be thankful for service. But the reality is, is, is there's a lot of messed up marriages in the military. The reality is, is that soldiers do spend a lot of time away from, And there are moms who are pretty much single moms raising kids and there are kids who aren't seeing dads. And, um, you know, there there's people that die and they're they're dealing with life and death and Mm -hmm. uh, they need hope. They need genuine help. And so I think it's realizing that about this culture and more than just saying, hey, thank you for your service. It's like, how, how can I serve you? And and I think as Christians, that behooves us regardless of the culture. But as we're talking about military today, really thinking through that as we think about our military. And I think that's what Jesus did here in this example, obviously. And not only that, but with every culture that he encountered. Uh, But let's transition a little bit because I know we've been talking a lot. Um, You know, obviously, I've talked about the army. And the military in general is being a dark environment. It's interesting because I, before I came back here to Clarksville and I've been back a little over a year, I spent three and a half years at West Point. And so I was working with cadets. I was like a youth pastor to cadets for three and a half years. It was awesome. But um, so often I would have cadets walk into my office and say, I feel the spiritual warfare here. Uh, And and it it, it would just blow Hmm. them away and uh, they would jump on my back like that grant uh, you know, like giving them a piggyback ride but um there is and it's something i noticed too as soon as i stepped foot into my first unit even though I, I met some great people had some great conversations was able to share the gospel quite a bit with people that you know needed to hear the gospel it, it can be a dark environment because you're dealing with life and death i mean you're dealing with it every day people have experienced loss. People have seen horrific things and, um, then they, they leave sometimes not by choice. Uh, they, they, uh, gra- not graduate, retire, uh, from the military and, uh, still deal with that. Um, you know, stress, anxiety, all those things. So suicide is a big problem amongst our veterans and in our military community. It also is in our world, uh, get that too. And, it, and, and the rates are rising, not only in the military, but also in the United States but it is the second leading cause of death in veterans under the age of 45. 31.7 people per 100,000 veterans in their life by suicide compared to 16 in 100,000 non-military adults. There is a stat that was going around for a long time and it's still used quite a bit, but at one time there were 22 um, veterans or soldiers a day committing suicide. And you'll still see that quite a bit. I actually, um, so every Wednesday, it's just sort of a thing I've started, um, on my, my running Instagram, uh, profile, but every Wednesday I do 22 pushups and I do it for the 22 a day stat. Um, but, um, it's just something I, I use it as just a way to bring awareness, not because I want people to know, Hey, people are committing suicide, but Hey, what are we going to do about it? And as Christians, I think we have a real opportunity because we know the life giver. And so what what better way to minister to a community that's experiencing hopelessness, that is struggling and, and sometimes not knowing where to turn to than showing them the life giver? And it seems like a simplistic answer, but it's amazing when I would work with soldiers, when I worked with cadets, how At the end of the day, I can give them all the practicality in the world as far as, hey, here's some things you can do to deal with stress, anxiety, depression, all this. Yeah, you can go to behavioral health and you can take pills and, and all that. I'm not trying to knock any of that. But at the end of the day, Jesus is really what turned lives around. I have so many stories of individuals that I was able to share the gospel with and just was able to sit back and watch God radically change their life and then go from somebody who wanted to end their life to somebody that had great hope in their life. And so, um, you know, as we think about this being an issue in, um, you know, the community that we live in, but also our nation, I'll just be honest. I don't have all the answers other than I know Jesus is the answer. But, you know, what are things that what are some of the things that we can do as christians to really combat this problem and obviously not only in our military but in our nation with people that think you know the only way out is for me to take my own life I'm, i'm so hopeless that that's it
3: So one of the things that drew me to the northwest to be honest and we're known as being a dark part of the country as the UniCloud comes in in a week or two, and is here until May, usually. Uh, And and for a long time, it was pretty high in suicide rates. And I think the teenage suicide rate here is still really, really, really high. But, uh, I mean, we have the hope of the world. And we have the message of Jesus. We have the power of his spirit in us. And uh, that message of Jesus has an intended audience. It's called the good news, not the good olds. So it's meant for those who have not heard it. And man, I'll tell you, one of my, um, he's becoming a good friend here, his daughter's in my eldest daughter's class, but he was a Marine. Uh, I want to say he was at Pendleton. I forget what unit he was in, but he was an infantry Marine. And then he went through assessment and selection, became a recon Marine and all sorts of crazy stuff. Like his life story is nuts. And he's become like a a little hiking buddy. But uh, he is actually in that program. Jeff, he's the one I put you in touch with or try to um he's in a program finishing up a phd through liberty university and he's seriously thinking about chaplaincy as a next step to be able to show that kind of love that he connected with in the darkest time in his life and go back in as a missionary to the military community so think about any community i mean there's darkness all around and i love the way that john puts it we're either light and children of the light or we are walking in darkness and that's everyone's spiritual reality um And obviously, uh, Josh, you referred earlier to one of my favorite passages, Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and bring glory to your father in heaven. And I think we could pursue a lot of people in our lives showing the love of Jesus, um, regardless of who they are, if they're military or not, it doesn't matter. They're either children of light or children of darkness. Um, And I do think we have the tendency to look at a military community, if there's one near you, as well, they have their life put together. They're at least told what to do and where to be and when. (laughs) Um, So they must have something together, but they're people. And if they're not walking in the light, they're walking in darkness. Um, Mm -hmm. So share Jesus. That means sharing yourself and sharing the love of him through you and through your works, providing a place where they can have an identity other than their rank and their their last name. Praise God. But show that light.
0: (laughs) I wonder if part of it as well um, is that we've got to start with something in our own lives internally. It's hard to give people hope when you're kind of living, even as Christian, in a defeated manner, you know. Um, and I think a lot of a lot of Christians do li- live that way, um, where they kind of look at the things going on in their life or things they're even struggling with, and instead of just this realization that, okay, my position in Christ is one who is righteous, who has been redeemed, who has been given power over over sin and death. Um, one who is filled with the power of God through the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I wonder if a, a lot of these things exist, a lot of the darkness specifically in military in, on military basis and in those communities, just because Christians are not living the way they've been created to live. And so we, we feel, um, ineffective or that we don't have the ability or the power because you're thinking, okay, there's a major suicide issue, darkness issue on our military bases. How are we going to lean into that? And I think, I think a lot of people who are Christians would probably think, man, I just don't have energy because I got, I got it. How can I do that when I'm dealing phone stuff? Mm-hmm. And, and that kind of ineffectiveness we place on ourselves by not believing truth, by believing lies. And so this isn't a cop out to your question and given like specific things, I just think that's one place we need to start. Cause there may be people listening right. to this that just think, man, that's something else I got to do, you know? And, but once you realize who you are in Christ and what he has done in your life, whether you've got it all figured out or not, which you don't, and you won't this out of heaven. Um, it, you, once you realize who you are, and your stuff's handled and Jesus is working through you and that doesn't have to limit you because you're pursuing him and you're recognizing who he is, what he's done. You, you want that light then to shine to others. So I would say, you know, if you're in a place right now where we're talking about this and you think, man, that's terrible, but I, I don't have the bandwidth for that. I don't have the energy for that. Like, well, how am I supposed, I can barely take care of my family. If Jesus has come into your life and you're a Christ follower, you've got all you need. Um, submit to the truth that he has freed you from your sin. Um, spend, make sure you're spending time speaking to him, listening to him through his word, do what you can to live obediently. And then you mess up, you mess up, ask for forgiveness, repent, move on. You've got it. And, and then you receive this this freedom, and not just the freedom, but but this movement, this power from the spirit in you, so then look at other people who are going through the same crap you were limiting yourself by um, and even darker things. And you can you can then lean in to love them uh, more effectively. So um, I do think I, I would love to hear. I don't necessarily know when you ask that question then of well, what, what can Christians and churches do? I, I because I'm outside of the military realm, I have a hard time thinking of anything like specific, which may not even be your question. But um, I think it has to start with, well, if I'm going to pursue the Lord and I am pursuing him and following him, then he is going to work through me to love those in my community the way he does, right? Like he directs us and empowers us in those things. So if there is a neighbor who actually lives in my neighborhood, but is, uh, you know, an officer in the military and like, i God's going to open doors. You know, if I'm wanting to reach out and minister to, to to these people, he's going to open those doors. He's going to give us words to speak. He's going to guide us in our interaction. He's going to give us his eyes and his compassion. Um, and so some of that, I think, begins to take place. But if we're not living, not just showing the light, but if we're not even living in the freedom we have and in the hope we have and in the joy that
3: that we have,
0: I, I don't think we can expect to be able to give that to other
3: people. Well and and to piggyback and jeff you could inform part of this but like one of the things that my undergrad college drilled into us is the idea of occupational ministry and what they meant was pastors and missionaries and people whose occupation where they derive their paycheck from is ministry right uh the the term we learned in seminary which i am a big uh, proponent for opposed to that is uh ministry leadership so pastors are just ministry leaders because everyone if you're in Christ your occupation is your ministry. And so like like Ryan, you're a missionary in your workplace. That's who you are. That's who God has made you to be. Ethan going into the Marine Corps as a photographer, if that's what you're able to do, your mission, your, your ministry is a marine photographer. And Jeff, and this is where you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Jeff as a chaplain is expected to say things about God and Jesus and extend his love. He's expected to. And sometimes it's more profound. And I know it's true for me in my church. I'm expected to go visit people and say, Hey, Jesus loves you. Can I pray with you? I'm the pastor, right? That's what they expect. It's more meaningful when just an average attendee um, goes to somebody's house and says, Hey man, I love you. I'm praying for you. I'm trying to serve you. Um, So I'm I'm assuming it's the same in the military, Jeff. Like if there's just, you know, a captain in an infantry battalion, saying, hey, man, I love you and I'm praying for you. Can I show you where I find hope? It might be more impactful than if you were to say that.
0: Absolutely. So Jeff would be a ministry leader of occupational ministers? Essentially.
1: I I,
2: I like that talk. I did want to piggyback off of both what Josh and Grant were saying. I definitely think that having having that um, companionship is very good. Especially, I believe that if we have Christians in our military, they have a better um, access to people that might need to seek, n- seek Christ or know Christ. That's why we have people like Jeff, or even if they're not trying to be a chaplain, maybe trying to be a combat, combat photographer, maybe just drive it a tank. Let we just talk to your squad and be like, hey, this is who Jesus is. You know, having people in Christ uh, that know Christ in the military is a very good way, and I'm not saying that everybody needs to go to the military if you're a Christian, that's not, but being able to have that Christian in said military, and able, just to be able to sit, talk to people, and that might be easier for some people to get to know, because it might be awkward sometimes if just a random Christian comes up to a, a Marine, or a military person, and you're just like, hey, how can I help, how can I pray for you? But when you got somebody that knows what you're going through, knows what you've been through and is trying to help you. And they've also been through that same situation or similar situation. I definitely think it helps a whole lot with understanding. Yeah. And that's true stewardship.
1: Brings up such a a great point and, and really a good transition because part of going into any culture is understanding that culture. And so I think it behooves us as Christians to listen to, um, those who are in the military culture and uh, get an understanding so that we do know how to minister. But one of the things that's always been impressive is, so I don't live on the post right now, um, but both my neighbors on either side of me are in the military. I got a warrant officer on one side and I got a captain on the other. Then two houses down is another major chaplain who actually works in the same office as I do right down the hall. And so the four of us here, we are all military. But what's neat is my neighbor to, if I'm facing the street to the left of me, her husband went to uh, the field not too long ago. And um, she asked, hey, can um, my son Silas go over and mower her yard? Same thing with the chaplain that lived two doors down. And uh, he got a little moolah out of it. But it it's just things like bit. that. Like, like we're able to <laughs> support each other and just kind of understand like hey yeah husband's going to be gone wife small kids you know Mm -hmm. let's step up and help them out we understand some of those things i think are common sense but it's just so sort of knowing that and so i think it behooves us as christians to understand the culture a little bit and so i think that's one way that we can do that but also when it, as it relates to suicide, not being afraid to talk about it. I think sometimes we're a little like we, we obviously promote life and all about life and life is worth living. And Jesus is the hope we, we could say all that and understand that, but specifically talking about suicide, maybe even engaging with somebody and asking them, are you thinking about suicide? We're, we shy away from that because we feel like it's awkward or we don't want to talk to somebody about that because they're going to get offended if um, they're not thinking about it, but we ask them that, Hey, it's worth stepping in and asking that question to help maybe step in and, and save their life. But yeah, also, especially
0: if you see like a Chicago, Chicago bear sticker, like, on the oh car, yeah, I mean, yeah, those it's are depressed. Right
1: there. <laughs> but you know, spiritual warfare is is real. Sorry, Grant, I mean, and uh, and and prayer process. is a must for those bear fans like like uh, Grant. But I it, it, the other thing, I think I they're still think, winning. <laughs> the other thing, as long as DJ Moore scoring touchdowns. Um is. the other thing that I think is key with our military, especially with our veterans, and, and I'll share this and we can kind of transition and close here, but one thing that's key for a lot of our veterans is the idea of one showing them life, love, but also forgiveness, because that's Something that a lot of our veterans are holding on to is this idea of they screwed something up. They lost a buddy, it was their fault, or I should have been me, or, you know, there, there's things that replay in their minds and they haven't forgiven themselves. And uh, showing them a God who forgives them and wipes the slate clean mm. and loves them unconditionally is so huge in battling this. And I think that's something that we have to take. I I had a chaplain tell me, a fellow chaplain tell me when I first came in and I was doing my first memorial ceremony for a soldier that died um, point at the cross on my uniform and say, don't forget what you bring to the fight. And I would say that for any Christian, regardless if you're in the military or not, don't forget what you bring to the fight. We have the answer, the hope. And uh, we need to bring that to people that desperately need it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, this idea of getting to understand and know what it's like and just befriending people, talking to people that are there. And I think if, if we're in church in a military community, there's probably people in the military currently in your church or who are retired. I know our church, it's, it's filled with even people who have, they were stationed here at Fort Campbell, moved away, retired and have come back. And uh, I don't know why, but come, come back for some reason. Tennessee
3: doesn't tax your retirement. That's why. Oh, that's why. That's yeah. it. A lot of them
0: are from California. So cost of living yeah. is a lot less. Because it's a nine, three, one baby. That's all you got to say. <laughs> um, but you know, we can talk to them. Like, how can we, how can we love the military? Well, they're going to have a lot of insight into that, but, love your neighbor as yourself, whoever that is, you know, if, if they are military, if, if they're not, um, you see a need, love it, love that person to meet that need. And, um, if we just kind of try to start there as well and not get overwhelmed, it may be easy to get overwhelmed in a conversation like this. Like, I'm not equipped for that. we just love them.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, yeah. Um, whatever you see as the need, just jump in if you can,
4: I think that and specifically in regards to soldier suicide and, Veterans and even people that are still active duty—they're dealing with a lot of traumatic experiences, like Jeff was talking about—that are things they either feel guilt from or feel, you know, there's, um, you know, just these deep, dark feelings that you may not understand and you may not necessarily be able to connect with them. But providing them a place that they feel comfortable and safe sharing that can then lead to further conversation mm-hmm. and to. You know, being able to unpack that with them, whether whether you feel equipped to handle it or not, just providing them that opportunity is is a big step into helping them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just being a place, you know, being present really yeah. at the end of the day, because it's the same thing when we were youth pastors. And you had the uh, 12-year-old girl come up to you crying because her boyfriend broke up with her. And you're like, what in the world? I, I don't understand why this is such a big deal. i thankful for that. He's a
2: moron.
3: <laughs> Justin I mean, Bieber I mean, doesn't I mean, even know you. Thing. And they're still and the same you,
2: youth group afterward. It's just yeah, like. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Awkward.
3: You, you
1: may not be able to step into their shoes exactly. But just being present, being there, it goes a long way. And uh, we can absolutely do that. I, I remember the very first time that I counseled a soldier when I came in the army fresh as a chaplain, and I had not deployed yet and was very new to the to this ministry. He had already been to combat several times and Obviously he came, he was hurting. He was bringing up a lot of his issues with combat and I'm trying to work through this. And obviously I don't feel equipped. I'm like, God, you have gotta, you gotta work. Cause I, I never experienced this. And he started, he even mentioned, he looked up my right shoulder cause I didn't have a combat patch at the time. And he was like, I don't know if you can even understand like what I'm going through. And, and I was just honest. I said, I, I can't understand what you're going through cause I haven't gone through it. And I said, but I do understand pain and I understand hurt and I understand um, you know, how, um, you know, I, I serve a, a God that, um, can, can give me comfort in that pain and, uh, began to talk to him, um, you know, about my experiences outside of that, but not trying to equate my experiences to his or put it on the same level, but at least just, just hearing him where he is and not trying to be something that I'm not, but at the same time, trying to understand and I, and I think we can all do that regardless of our experiences. Mm-hmm. So obviously, I know we want to uh, wrap up and it's great discussion. We could spend a lot of time in this. But have you guys seen anything that's been done by churches um, that's been effective for the military community, for military families, uh, any military ministries that uh, you think would be worth sharing?
2: No, not that I can really think of. I think um, there used to be a church uh, back in Murfreesboro, where I live, that I used to go to. And um, they kind of helped because they had a lot of, I think one of the pastors was a former military or veteran. And they had a lot of people from, that were veterans in that church. I think they did a little with like, you know, the offerings and everything and just giving back to people. Um, That's all I can really think about. Um, I did want to bring up something about, like, my grandmother. She had had the idea, so I'm going to steal it from her. Um, she brought up because there's recently there's been a spike of just veterans that are homeless. Not all of them, but a lot of veterans can be found homeless, and, you know, they can't afford, they can't get a job. They can't afford a house or any living because they're, you know, they just something happened a certain way. Maybe there's something wrong with them that they need to get help with. Um, but she had brought up this idea. She was like, a lot of schools don't have a lot of protections here. We got SROs and maybe a police bu- police station a couple blocks down, but that's about it. She had brought up the idea. What if we gave these veterans jobs? Obviously, we'll do a background, background check on them, and we'll just station them outside of the school doors. That way, we don't have to worry about any you know school shooters or anything unsafe coming in or out of the building, stuff like that. And they can just sit there, you know, get paid um, um, by the government still, and that way they can still feel like they are worth living for something and not feeling like they just just have to be sitting on the street or stuff like that. So that's kind of an idea, but I haven't really seen much that churches have been doing.
4: Most of the things I see, I see a lot of support for military families, uh, especially when people are deployed. Um, I know churches and a lot of churches in Clarksville um, do programs and um, su- like offer support systems for those families that, you know, cause when, when, when a family has, you know, their, their husbands deployed for months on end, that's a big hole left. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, they're filling that, that void, I think is a, is a real practical way I've seen churches, minister to not only military personnel but also their families and if i think if you uh, need a daddy j
3: Phillies here some of the some of the most effective church ministry i've
4: seen is, has been in that
3: one. Uh, that, that was actually do you mess. guys remember <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: do you guys remember that that d now that you two ran at, at before uh, you guys left the church we all served at do you remember
0: which d which d now
3: Okay, this 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 day now you guys paid me to come down from Chicago and teach at one of the sessions and be with like one of the groups of kids, and I remember you guys uh, led the students in putting together this care pack, <laughs> this care package for military. Do you remember? Oh this? yeah,
1: that's right, we did.
3: <laughs> and I was with the senior boys. I think this is when like Ben Halashek, however you say his last name, and Greg, like that whole whose dad group. Dad was in the military. <laughs> yeah, dad was in the military. So I remember. The junior – okay, so for context, these kids that are part of this discipleship weekend for this church had to go out and uh, spend their own money on things with their group leaders to bring back to the church to be put in a box to ship, uh, I think, to Afghanistan to to be sent out to soldiers.
1: Yeah, it was Freddie's son's unit.
3: Okay. Freddie son's. Yeah. And I I remember (laughs) because there was an (laughs) 18-year-old among the high school boys that I was with that weekend – so I'm just hanging out at Walmart, waiting for them to be done because we're gonna drive back to the church for the suffering. Do you remember what they bought? Uh, no, I don't. I'm, I'm but, afraid to uh, my mind is the right, high school boys <laughs> bought as much dip as they could afford.
2: Oh my goodness. <laughs>
3: <laughs> because he said that's what soldiers really want. Let's buy them what they actually want. Yeah. <laughs> they just bought a case of dip.
1: So they <laughs> they got dip from First Baptist Church, Clarksville. You want to
2: be a Glad I'm living my. Uh, it's making a difference.
3: I'll be honest. Yeah.
4: Most of the members of First Baptist Church in Clarksville probably dip.
3: So I think there was some. That's there. true. <laughs> yeah. I got in trouble for calling them guys. I went to a deacon's meeting and spoke. I called them guys. Nice. And I had some retired colonel come up to me like, son, I haven't been a guy since before I enlisted. 62 or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, man. I'm, like, I'm an unpaid intern this insane. summer. I'm just
1: picturing those soldiers opening that box. So that I'm shocked <laughs> that there's stuff in there. And there's, a, there, there's even a card in there signed by Kevin Kennedy.
3: Hey, got you. <laughs> oh, so wait, who's Wait, you were the leader in this group, though, right, Grant? No, so technically I was hosted with them. We were paying I mean, who was their leader? Oh. Yeah, you paid me to come speak, and then did I got to stay know in that you what house. was in the box before it got sealed and brought to the church? I knew it because they brought it to the car. I said, what what'd you guys get? They're like, a bunch of dip. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> I started laughing. And you're like, when you got to the church, like, okay, you got to set that over there. So was, was, I'm was like, not did, my problem. Part of this? <laughs> I don't know, I like David. That. If you were comment, that was the funniest thing because this is also the D now where someone bent a uh, metal uh, coat hanger and tried to make a brand and brand themselves with a cross. That. You remember? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Teenage boys. Ah, youth thing. ministry. <laughs> yeah. I, this I things think Kenny on, may have uh, actually been the leader of that
0: boys group. Kenny Kennedy. Kenny yeah. Kennedy. Oh. Yeah. Another, so, another I, think, I think he guy. was. I think he was.
3: <laughs> I may have a so picture. Jeff of it. Jeff does have you covered. Uh, yeah, <laughs>
1: He covered
0: it for you. So, so we're not, uh, you're saying like Kenny Kennedy, not yeah, Kevin Jr. Okay. So those yeah, yeah.
1: things are not the things <laughs> we're talking about when ministering. Kenneth the, Lawrence, <laughs> Kevin D. Kennedy. Do yeah, something yeah. different yeah. than
0: that. Yes. Yeah. Dare to be. Don't send boxes of dip.
2: <laughs> or do we're not condoning. <laughs> or do. <them. laughs> oh gosh,
0: good times.
1: Coffee. When I worked at Starbucks, coffee. we used to send yes. coffee. So yes, that's money. That is definitely money. Yeah. yeah. And hot sauce. Hot sauce. Hot sauce, yeah. A
3: Taco Bell hot
2: Bottles sauce. Of Anything Tabasco. from home,
1: really. You know? <laughs> just uh, the, the, the comfort
2: zone. Just look through your junk drawer, and yep. it's just like, oh, socks. I got an a unused pen. Here you go.
0: I think <laughs> I think these little foot electrocutors would be good for them, too. Oh, yeah, Yeah, what's that called, Jeff? They're on their feet all day. so I don't know what that's called. It's actually. called, uh, what does that say on there?
2: Uh, Josh is going to read uh,
0: it. Or Ethan's going to
2: EMS foot massager.
0: Oh, EMS emergency. emergency. Yeah. Okay. EMS.
2: EMS. EMS, EMS. EMS, EMS, EMS. 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 So, so yeah, is That's
0: it emergency medical <laughs> services <laughs> oh, or yeah. electrical magnetic Chuck. shock? I would love
1: for somebody to put that on their uh, bare chest as we close out tonight. Uh, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> Ryan.
3: <laughs> Ryan. Okay, I'm, <laughs> safe. I'm safe. I'm safe. I'm safe. I'm safe. I'm <laughs> pass that on
0: over.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, <laughs> you don't have to do bare chest, but we, I mean, you or do well, you know. You actually, you know. I, I, yes, he does. I, I don't want to
1: like mess up your heart or something. Yeah, yeah no. Yeah. So, so. I,
0: I'm, I have Ap, so I got to back yeah. out. We'll I, I laugh here.
1: <laughs> How do I turn this on? Um, oh, on I
2: think, think you just press the press the little uh, uh, button,
1: the M. Ryan, uh, I'll send you a pack of dip hold, to your, your emergency room. You want to put the mode on massage?
2: Maybe, or maybe press <laughs> and hold the plus button. There there
1: we go. And then you just yeah plus just. And this is the this is the electrocution music. Put it on
0: your face.
2: <laughs> oh, it's my first time hearing this now.
0: Yeah. This is oh. what I was playing when your foot was going to execute. Okay. It
2: wasn't really... T- it Jesus,
1: was, was, yeah, was Jew. Like, like, <laughs> so so <laughs> what number are you up to? One, four. Okay. <laughs> you're still in the lightweight.
3: So my nice hey, yeah. while, while you're ratcheting it up, one day uh, a little boy is riding his bike outside of a church, Oh man. and they, uh the pastor's like, hey, you want to see what's inside? So you have peeking in the, the building. So he brings his little, little boy inside the church and he shows him the Sunday school wing, He shows him the sanctuary, he shows him the offices. And as they are walking back to uh, the front front entrance where the kid's bike was, um, they pass by all these pictures of men in uniform in this one hallway on this one wall. The little boy says, who, who are they? And he says, oh, those are men who died in service. And the little boy said, first or second?
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh,
0: gosh. That's funny.
4: Where are yeah, you am, feeling, Brian? 115. Wow. Go to 19. You're not even
1: flinching. Oh. Whoa.
0: Whoa. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. That thing's making your thumb take it up even higher. Oh. <laughs> are you
1: okay?
4: <laughs> it's, like, it's not like an immediate change when you switch it up. So I switched it up to 16.
2: And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden,
4: it got like super, yeah, like uh, it's almost like it has the load really intense. And then, like I turned it back down to fifteen, it took a minute for it to go back down. So like it was just like the entire time sitting there. I to
1: you know you know yeah, baby. It? <laughs> <laughs> Are
4: you make it yeah,
1: better? baby. Crank it up. Crank it this up. The face that Ryan makes. I after like my arm's chilly.
4: Choice. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. It was kind
2: of like you Should know on your bicep maybe. If I um, um, your
4: forearm. Well, I, I can hold it better on my forearm. That's the only Perfect. reason I'm doing it here. On hey, Brenda, 17. is the uh,
3: electric thing that way?
1: <laughs> 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 or is it in between? 18. Oh, he's almost there. Wow. That's impressive. I it feels like up you know, up nostril.
4: It's really strong, but like, <laughs> if you ever like lay on your arm when you're sleeping, you like, wake up and it's like...
0: Didn't um, Detroit Babe complain about the angle...
4: Yeah, she's probably going to complain again. Mm. I, I, got a, I got a laptop stand I'll bring next time. But
2: I was going to ask, do we want to go over statistics? Sorry to kind of just kill everything. <laughs> do we want to go over just a bit about statistics? Well, he he gave us some. You got one you want
0: to.
2: I did. I Sorry. I have. Uh, oh, no, it's okay. Oh, we is, is this music appropriate for the statistic
0: you
2: um, Well, I was going to share Tennessee statistics. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, oh, go for it. I can share Florida man statistics. <laughs> you have Florida statistics? No, I don't. Uh, I don't have Florida. Uh, I don't know. This is perfect. No, yeah. What was it you came across? So I, I had come across... Um, I was doing a bunch of research last night because Josh told me about what we were going to talk about. And oh, that's
3: way more work than we do.
2: I know. So it's so on my crappy little laptop, and I was like, oh, maybe I need to do research. So... Uh, the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs uh, submitted their 2020 report at the end of uh, around, I guess, the beginning of 21. And that's as updated as we got. Uh, I did want to share first that in the first quarter of this month, um, I had researched. This year. Yeah, yeah, sorry, this year, the first quarter, that 94 uh, U.S. Army uh, personnel had taken their own life. And it jumped from 77 people in the first quarter of last year to 94. And then the next was Marine Corps, which was um, 8 to 14. And then I forgot what the Navy's was, but uh, I think the Navy, Air Force, and Space Force all remained the same. Uh, but I did want to bring up Tennessee since majority of us are in Tennessee. And it just... Uh, Grant.
1: <laughs> losers.
2: at. <laughs> <laughs> So Tennessee veteran suicides, uh, as of 2020, uh, 182 soldiers took their life. Uh, majority of those were actually 75-plus, and then uh, the least were 18 to 34. A- anything around 35, 54, or 55 to 74 were 42 and then 65. And comparing that to national suicides of... I'll just put eighteen and thirty-four, national suicides were eight hundred and forty-three. So of twenty-three of Tennessee, there's a total of eight hundred and forty-three. And then uh as of twenty twenty, six thousand one hundred and forty-six soldiers took their life. Um, which is it was three hundred million people in the United States of America plus. But and then for every well, I think Jeff had said it was thirty seven point one of every 100,000. That's still a mass majority. And those numbers uh they've taken it it, it was 6,000 and some change since 2001 all the way to 2020 which was the 6,146 people. Um and so it was around 6,000 per year soldiers took their own life So that was that for um Tennessee. And for the southern region, it was 2,643. So that's including anything from Texas, Tennessee, all the way to South Carolina and down. That's all that, which is crazy to think about how we have a third of soldier suicides in the South. So I just, I think that was really crazy. And then I don't know how many, how many of us are from Texas? I think...
4: We've all lived in Texas, live but I think you and
2: I are. False. The okay. Texas False.
1: Grants the only one who is not. Living
2: in Texas. <laughs> oh, okay. All the cool people live <laughs> in Texas. Well, Texas they did one for <laughs> Texas and it is a bigger state especially in population, so the numbers are were probably going to be higher and which is true. Um, 18 to 34 year olds in Texas to 89 of them took their own life. The highest one was 55 to 74, which was 171 in total, 526 people took their own life, which in Texas is a crazy amount, especially compared because in Tennessee, only 182. So it's, that's a fifth of how much Texas was. Yeah. So. It's,
0: it's definitely, I mean, it affects, it's affecting mm-hmm. like every area. Oh, of the country. Sure. And, and it is here in our Southern safe, you know, Tennessee that we do with that. So it's all around. And I think our conversation yeah, tonight has been nice. really helpful yeah. uh, to, to think through, you know, ways to, yeah. to, to love, love those people.
1: Yeah. They're, they're sobering statistics and uh, there's so many angles we can look at too. Um, it's just a reminder again, that the spiritual warfare is real, that we, need to be strategically looking at opportunities to engage that culture like we would any culture Um, but at the end of the day i I know we talk uh, we're, we're dismissive at times and we shouldn't be but our culture is a prayer but we need to spend time praying for our military families and if anything that brings a sensitivity to our hearts and i think really puts us in that direct conversation with god to where holy spirit lays things in our hearts that we can do um, to you know, for our neighbors, for those people that we work with or that we encounter, uh, who may be in a military context. Great discussion tonight, guys. I know we've have to, to wrap up here. We've we've had great long discussion tonight, and hey, it was great having Ethan here. Thank you. Thank and you. Uh, Thank we're totally. going to be praying for him as he gets ready to um, embark on this. I
2: did get news. Uh, I think I was talking to, to Josh about it before we started recording. Um, I had. The, the staff sergeant of Murfreesboro called me, and uh we, we've been – I know Olivia and I have been praying on this for a while. I think a lot of people have too. I um, know I'm dragging this on. I will try to keep it short. But we've been praying that I wouldn't have to go in November, trying to aim for it end of December and beginning of January, and there's one spot open, and it's December. So awesome. hoping that winds up yeah. and studying and whatnot. but.
3: Paris Island I'm- or – uh Go out here in San Diego.
2: Anything uh, on this side of the Mississippi is Paris Island. And then your side is going to go to San Diego. My dad went to San Diego. So, yeah.
3: Word. How many push ups can you do?
2: How how many push ups? Yeah. It's It's been a while. The most I've ever done was 82 in two minutes.
3: All right, prove it.
2: No, Prove it while man. we close. I was in our next next yeah. <laughs> two years ago. I cannot do it anymore. So <laughs> I can do
3: like... And you're our defender? We're paying our tax dollars for you and you're not going to do it
2: anymore? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs>
1: I'm just boy, man. Put He's taking pictures of the people doing push-ups. <laughs> <laughs>
4: oh, man. That looks rough.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's... <laughs> It's a lot of sweat you got.
2: Hey, hold still okay. Cool. Okay. 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 Yeah, doing so fast our before. future
0: <laughs>
1: all right everybody thank you for joining all of us dudes on the dude Facts podcast we hope we've thrown a lot of testosterone at you and uh that you're feeling it through the spotify <laughs> or youtube or yeah there's a weird stuff going on <laughs> but, uh, grant was shirtless earlier if you want to see that exclusive picture we'll, um, we'll, we'll, we'll throw it up on the instagram story
3: dude erica doesn't
1: even want to see that <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. (laughs) See
3: ya. We'll see you next
1: week.